Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 84. Hello again, guys. Hot news today. iOS 10 update. Argo, how's that going? Uh, looks like it's going pretty good. Tim Cook put up his slide, and I think we're up to 60% uh, by Apple's numbers, which is pretty cool. And then iOS 9's at 32% and earlier is 8%. The, the thing that bugs me, he, he always puts up the Android slide next to it. And Android 7 came out a couple months ago, and it's like less than 1% or whatever. Right. But it doesn't, for, at least for, for developers, it doesn't matter. I mean, it'd be nice as an Android user to like get more updates and security updates and stuff like that. But when they get a new feature in Android, they just backport it to everything. And so you don't have to necessarily update to get like all the cool new stuff. So I always feel like that's kind of disingenuous when he puts that, that slide up. But there wouldn't be a post iOS launch keynote where he didn't do that. Yeah. Well, back in the early you know, 4.x days of Android, that was a, a real thing. And Google pretty much learned we need to take control back from these guys and from all these OS vendors. And we're just going to put everything in the support library. Yeah. But that has its own drawbacks, too, because if you bring in too much of the support library, then uh, your program can't get too big before you run out of uh, addressable functions. They call it a dex limit. But then I guess you can go into multi-dex, too, which kind of like makes your APK, your, your app file, go over multiple files. But it gets a little dicey when you're trying to support older versions of Android. Yeah, I thought most people did multi-dex at this point, but it's not, I guess, I guess my big thing is it's, just, it's not as big of a deal as, as Tim Cook makes it out to be, at least yeah. from a developer standpoint. Definitely not anymore. It was when you first started doing it, but not anymore. Yeah. So also we have this uh, new Microsoft announcement. Alex, how'd you like that Surface? You want to get one? I, the Surface Design Studio is uh, pretty sweet. It's got that large drafting board style experience. So, you know, if you're the type of person that would use a drafting board and want that multi-touch screen, that's, I don't know how big it is. It, it seems like it's at least 27 inch, if not bigger. Yeah, it looked very uh, large. And it looks like it's real easy to change position from the drafting board to you know, a traditional desktop screen. You know, they have a They've got nice an interesting aspect ratio too, like it's three by two. Hmm. Really? It's not four, yep. not even four by three or 16 by nine, huh? Nope. They're changing things up. They're trying to innovate. Three, two is the new 16 by nine, huh? I guess so. I mean, this looks like a really cool machine and they did lots of cool things. Um, seems like it might be cool to use their little dial thing that you can just plop on the screen or whatever, but. Yeah. I, d I don't know how practical it would be for the kind of stuff that I do day to day. And, and probably a lot of people, but you know, if you're using something like Photoshop, if you're using the creative tools, I could see it being a, a pretty interesting input device. Yeah, it's definitely weird because they're all about touching your screen. Yeah, but the fingerprints would probably bother me. Yeah, I hate it when somebody comes up to my screen and is pointing stuff out and they're actually touching the screen. You don't need to touch the screen to show me. <laughs> yeah, usually having to tell my kids that you can point without touching. We don't need fingerprints all over the place. Although they've been raised on iPad and stuff, so they're yeah. used to touching. Yeah, and I, like when my kids were younger, you know, the mouse was such a foreign concept that, you know, it's an abstract concept. So touching the screen is definitely makes the, the experience a lot more intuitive uh, for a lot of things, especially uh, for young kids. So I could definitely see that. I really like that Microsoft is experimenting with new input devices and uh, 
paradigms. You know, I think that's a good thing for the market. I think I think it's great that Microsoft has a fairly compelling product that is going to challenge the competition. Yeah, if it drives the industry forward, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, I like competition, just like with Android. You know, let's see some cool stuff and make Apple have to do cool stuff too. And I yeah. think that's the best thing about what Microsoft showed was that it created a, a viable competitor doing something innovative and and different. Then it's going to force others to do the same. Right. So it's it's definitely a interesting contrast the surface in comparison to apple's new laptop that they announced on thursday assuming people are out there can actually afford this thing they've added a touch bar yeah so it's, it's been rumored for a while it's just interesting that they dropped all the function keys and replaced it with more or less an ios device running a modified watch os did you guys see that it's also uh controls your camera and the touch id so it is like the secure enclave and, and everything like that mm -hmm. all rolled into this touch bar. So when you're buying a Mac now, you're really getting two computers. That, that whole thought is just, it's really intriguing. That's why it's so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I yeah. think there's there's an ARM chip in there too to, uh, to power that, isn't there? Right. Well, it's I think it's a variant of the the watch OS and the watch chip, the S one. So they call it the T one now. Yeah, T one now. So it's not a W. So it's super different. Right. So we got the S T W. That that explains the price difference. I, I think the new hardware is good three hundred or more higher than its predecessors in terms of all the other features. Yeah, it's it's a little hard. I I did order one, although I used my company store discount, so it wasn't as bad, but to just go up to a terabyte SSD, I mean, that really increased the price real fast. Uh, I was hoping that Apple was going to maybe make 512 as a standard for their uh, laptops, but I guess now with the whole cloud backup they do with your documents and your desktop, it's not such a, a big deal. But You're telling me you actually yeah. have that turned on? I did turn it on because oh right now, <laughs> well, right now I'm on a, a laptop with 256 gigabytes and it's the, the space is tight. And I, that scares I have, the crap out of me. Yeah. So why don't we come back to kind of our impressions of the new hardware in a minute. And let's talk about the, the touch bar a little bit from a developer's perspective. Okay. So I, I think, you know, whether the touch bar is something you're going to have or not, um, it is kind of an interesting aspect of app development now for the Mac that, you know, how this new kind of, I don't know if you call it a new input device, but you've got this whole new green real estate, if you will, to um, provide functionality. So things that might've been shortcuts or, you know, right menu items, you can now kind of stick down in there in the toolbar and maybe make things a little bit more accessible. Kind of the, the advanced features become accessible to everybody. They do. I don't know about you guys, but I don't look at my keyboard when I type. I'm actually one of those ones that's a touch typist. You will soon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we've been kind of trained, you know, you know, anybody who's been taking a typing class, you kind of get trained to, to not look at your keyboard. And after you've been doing it for a while, even if you haven't had a typing class, you hopefully get out of the habit of looking at your keyboard. I, I definitely know plenty of programmers that haven't got out of that habit, but yeah, I mean, touch typing is a thing and we try to get real fast at it as a just a general productivity thing and now we're going to be looking down at our keyboards again yeah yeah i i do like the touch id you know to be able to unlock and lock your computer with a fingerprint and switch per, uh, users that way i think is pretty handy uh, i i'm really looking forward to one password you know as soon as i i get a uh, new macbook pro oh that'll be nice i thought you weren't getting one though not anytime soon eventually and i'm sure there's some other applications where it's going to be a nice feature i i really wasn't excited when the first thing they 
showed was emojis. I, I, I thought, man, I've waited all this time. You know, it's been a good six months since I, I was expecting an update and I waited all this time just for emojis. That was kind of uh, disappointing, but there are some cool features. There were some lots of demos with like Photoshop and other applications. I still don't know how practical it will be in the long run. I, most of the pro users that I know, their laptop isn't sitting in front of them. It's off to the side and they've got a big monitor and a, and a Bluetooth keyboard or a wired keyboard instead. But, you know, we might see the desktop configurations change a little bit in order to make use of the, the touch bar. But so are you going to be making any touch bar apps? I think uh, I think I'd like to play around with it. I think it could be kind of cool. I'm sure there's some interesting things you can do. I You know, before the, we started recording, we were talking about what kind of games you could build or what kind of interface you could have in the touch bar to interact with games. Could be kind of cool. I don't know if I'll build anything that I'll release, but I'm definitely going to play around with it. And you know, for the most part, the, there's this new class called NS Touch Bar that is a lot like UI Toolbar. And you've got NS Touch Bar items. So it's a pretty familiar object model uh, to work with. So it seems like it'd be right. pretty easy and you can customize it. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of shortcuts are available in the touch bar for things like Xcode. You know, if it's anything like the Swift Playground shortcut, it could make uh, development faster as long as you start looking at your keyboard. <laughs> I was a little bit afraid that it would mess up things like uh, running Linux on your Mac in, in Bootcamp or Windows. They did come out and say that it'll just revert to a standard keyboard with a function row if it's running Bootcamp or something else. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, somebody asked if, and we know that Safari is going to take advantage of it, but could a web application through like a scripting bridge do something with it as well? Could be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see how it turns out when, or how browsers react to this thing. Putting just your standard home button and your favorites icons on there. It's, yeah, it's nice. Saves me a little trouble of mousing around, I guess. I think if you could put, say, your Gmail toolbar inside of there, that's a, a much bigger win than having my favorites in there. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see some people were showing your your browser history and, and the toolbar could be a bad thing. That was one of the things they showed was like your recents or your favorite sites showing up there. I, d I don't know how, how recognizable they'll be, but yeah, yeah, it's probably not the best use of space, at least from my perspective. Right. Um, who knows? Maybe it'll be handy. Well, and there's a new there's some new HIG guidelines for what you are supposed to do and not supposed to do. And I, I'm pretty sure the examples that Apple showed off were they all didn't match up with what what their HIG says either. So I think it's going to take a while before we figure out exactly what makes sense to do on the touch bar. Yeah. And there's also this new NS scrubber class to do the scrubbing. That uh, looks kind of interesting. There's uh, you can also create custom controls to put in there. So they definitely kept it pretty open and flexible. So we should see some creative things. So were either of you at all impressed with the DJ demo? I actually was watching it um, later on in the day and I fast forward through most of the most of that demo <laughs> and some of the other demos too. Like, I, I felt like they were trying to show how cool this thing is and all the different things you can do. But I don't know what it was, but I was like, all right, it's yeah. too much. You couldn't really see the interaction. So, like, I, I don't think it demoed well, even though there were, what, three de different demos for it. You really couldn't see what they were doing. At least I couldn't go. Yeah. Like, you kind of had to take it on faith that this was easier than using a mouse or, or a trackpad. Right. So, it, you know, we'll see once we get our hands on it and can play around with it. It could end up being a, uh, a really bad idea. But, you know, at least they're trying something. Most people I've talked to, they call it a gimmick. And it's a little bit hard to defend because it does seem kind of like a little gimmicky, kind of ancillary, help you get excited about the, these new laptops. Although, honestly, like, it sounded like a gimmick before we saw it, and it, it did seem like there was some utility to it. It just didn't demo particularly well, and the people who went to the hands-on area seemed to have favorable impressions of it. They, I mean, they didn't say it's going to change your life as a macOS <laughs> user, but it seems like, in general, people seem to think it was kind of cool at the very least. Yeah. Oh. 
So one of our uh, listeners posted in the Slack channel about how Tim Cook could be the new Steve Ballmer. And, you know, Steve Ballmer basically took over Microsoft from Bill Gates at pretty much Microsoft's height and then just kind of rode it down into the trenches. Of, you know, Microsoft is really at a low point these days, and Steve Ballmer can be credited for a lot of that, and mostly because they just rode whatever innovation wave that they had to its conclusion and never really innovated anything else new. It's hard to look at that and say, well, maybe Tim Cook is not Steve Ballmer. He came from the, the numbers background where he was in charge of the manufacturing process and, and getting costs down. Maybe he's not such the innovative guy that needs to be at the head of Apple anymore. I don't know. Did you guys read that article that he posted? I took a look at it. I didn't read it too closely, but I mean, I, I think I'd agree to some sense and, and even Google's kind of gone through that same uh, changing of the guard in mostly in more of a maintenance mode or minor evolution rather than major technology revolution. I think to some degree, it's just the the point in the cycle that we're in. I mean, you know, we're definitely due for some more major innovation. And you know, your top three companies have the the means to do it: Google, Apple, and and uh, Microsoft. And then there's you know, there's a few others like Facebook and such. But in terms of you know, platform companies, you know, I think one of them is due to, to have some sort of market changing innovation soon. You know, whether it's AI or some new interface model, um, it's hard to say what it will be. But you know, I, I don't know. With Apple, you've got Johnny Ive as kind of the chief chief designer in charge of everything from a right. design standpoint, which to some degree, I think is a bit of bit problematic because, uh, you know, having one person in charge of it all doesn't, I don't know how much room that leaves for innovation for other people to come in and, and innovate. Well, I'm wondering too, if their innovation is just so costly and they're not paying close enough attention to that, it's one thing to make a great laptop, but if nobody buys that laptop, it's not going to help your company. Right. Well, I think, you know, part of the challenge too, is they're experimenting in lots of different markets. So you have things like the car, um, secret projects and you know the watch uh, they've got their headphone business they've got Apple music I, I know their service based businesses have been gaining traction like Apple music and Apple pay uh, so I think the Apple today is a lot more diverse in terms of what it does uh, so it doesn't surprise me when they leave a market like you know they've said they're not going to make displays anymore and and instead partnered with LG and they could always reverse that in the future but you know as it stands it doesn't look like Apple's going to make any new displays I'm still kind of skeptical about that I mean they there's been those rumors of the built-in GPU display for so long and they've done similar announcements where they were like, hey, here's this cool new display that works with our new laptop. Uh, but I mean, they did tell that one Verge writer, I forget who it was, that they were getting out of the display business. But it's... That's one of my biggest issues. Uh, you were talking about, like, you know, what's the next big game-changing thing? And you guys both, both probably know that I feel like VR slash AR is going to be one of those next big things. And, like, within the span of two days, both Microsoft and Apple announced these awesome new, like, $3,000 computers. But the GPUs in all of them are pretty much garbage, and you can't use them to do, like, virtual reality creative work. So I was, I'm super bummed yeah. about that, and I really want that, that display to come out so that you can have, like, a legit GPU in <laughs> a Mac somehow. Even if you choose the upgraded GPU in the Mac, it's not really good enough for VR? Yeah, especially not like VR creative stuff. I mean, they basically showed that there's like, you know, uh, maybe a 100% improvement in terms of GPU power. And these are like three-year-old, like middle-of-the-road GPUs from three years ago. So they're they're not they're not that impressive. Well, I thought this new MacBook had the Polaris architecture from AMD, and that was like their latest and greatest. But in terms of like which ones they use, they're all kind of like the either low-end or 
middle of the road. It's still low powered in order to preserve battery life. Yeah, and they're and they're the laptop version. So yeah. I mean, they there are high end laptop versions, but Apple did not use any of those. Hmm. For VR, you typically want at least a 970 card, and and this is not my area of expertise, but just the fans or cooling system alone on a 970. You know, I, I don't know how you'd fit that into a laptop. <laughs> Well, they make the processes shrink and all that stuff, and we're a couple years past whatever the GPUs that you need for, for virtual reality stuff. And it's just not something that they, they've chosen as a thing that's important. So, I mean, we did not see anything on the desktop lineup at this event, uh, which I think was one area of disappointment for a lot of people. It's like the Mac Pro has not been updated in nearly three years. I think 2013 was the last time it had an update. Yep. Uh, and then the iMac, you know, I think it's been a little over a year. The iMac's not, not too bad in terms of power. It's got a 5K display and a quad core. Uh, so it's a decent machine, but could probably use a little bit of a speed bump and probably has some. <laughs> <laughs> the Mac Mini is another one that's been grossly neglected and it's a fairly popular device, I think, for a lot of people because it is a low cost uh, Mac platform. But although last time they updated the Mac Mini, they made it worse. So yeah, we probably yeah. don't want <laughs> Do we want them? And I think they're they're waiting for the new CPUs, the Xeon processors for the, the Mac Pro at the very least. So it doesn't it's not that surprising that that one wasn't updated, but it just it just shows kind of the age of almost everything other than the, the laptops in their lineup. Yeah. And, and some of it's not Apple's fault. I mean, some of it's Intel missing deadlines and, you know, for the most part, Moore's Law, uh, nobody no longer applies. So, you know, if you're expecting a major speed bump every year, it's just not happening. Well, it's also hard to expect these companies to put a lot of resources into a shrinking market. Right. Year over year, PCs and laptops are dropping in sales. Although the Macs weren't until they stopped updating them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a captive audience. And, you know, there's definitely plenty of creatives and engineers and such that are dependent on the Mac platform. I mean, we're, especially us, we're we can't really develop on any other platform. So, you know, th there is a captive audience, but it's not necessarily a gross growth market for them. And then, you know, the iPhone market is slowing as well. So I have to imagine Apple is some of that $230 billion they have in the bank and, and looking at new market. Yeah, it's, it's going to be hard to, to find that new market. They're really going to have to create it again. And, you know, the desktop computer market just isn't that much of a growth market from my perspective anyway. So I can, I suspect that's not necessarily the area that they're going to be putting their R&D dollar. Although Apple generally doesn't create new markets, they kind of wait until there's like a whole bunch of really bad versions of something in a market and then they like put the things together to make it not suck as much. Which, you know, is like the car market, for example. You know, that, that's a relatively large market. I don't know how many cars there are out there. Probably over 600 million. Yeah, but they've pretty much given up on the car. They laid off yeah. a bunch of people and... Yeah, uh, and the latest rumor is that they're focusing on the software rather than the hardware, uh, which probably makes sense to some degree. You know, there's definitely some players like Tesla out there that have been pushing the market, but even, you know, Tesla has kind of been, I won't say floundering, but they, the market hasn't necessarily been kind to Tesla for some of its experimentation. Yeah, there's a lot of Elon haters out there. <laughs> yeah. And people aren't buying cars as much as they used to either. They aren't, but if, you know, if you're looking for something similar to the cell phone market, the car market is probably one of the closest things out there. It's not as big as uh, as the cell phone market, but probably bigger than desktop computers. Maybe not. It's 600 million. It's not a, not a bad market. No. So, I don't know. I You know, there, there was a lot of grumbling during the event. Uh, a lot of the people I saw grumbling still ended up buying a new MacBook Pro. Um, there's certainly some areas where I think they fell short. But, you know, from your perspective, what do you think was missing from the MacBook Pro, if anything? The startup chime. Affordability. I totally expected to go in and spend about $2,500 and thinking, oh, that's going to be a lot of money to spend on a laptop. And I priced out the model that I wanted, and it was significantly more than $2,500, well over three k So... Did you see the new uh, Apple wallet uh, icon for after the event? It only has one card. 
word in it now. No, I didn't see that. That was a joke that someone made. They're like, check out the new icon for... <laughs> Yeah. Apple Wallet. It's all empty. One thing I was surprised about is that they still have the Mac RAM at 16 gigabyte, uh, and the rationale for not going higher is for battery life. But you know, as the laptop gets thinner, it seems like a lot of developers probably would sacrifice size for for more me memory, especially in a pro. Yeah, my laptop already it's thin enough. I'm sure when I get the new one, because I did I did go ahead and purchase it, but once it comes in, it's going to make my old one look clunky. But right now, my current laptop looks fine. It's great. They didn't have to make it any thinner. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's posted benchmarks yet, but I don't know how the new quad core compares to the old quad core. Okay, I've got a, I'm not sure if mine's an i7 or an i5, but it's a quad core in my existing machine. And uh, the new i7 quad core uh, Skylake, I think it's still a Skylake, probably isn't that, that much noticeably faster than what I have now. It'll be an upgrade for me because mine is a 2013, but from what I've heard, the specs performance aren't a whole lot better than what was in the 2015 laptops. Yeah, I think it's like a 20 or 30% speed bump for the most part. Uh, CPU-wise. I am looking forward to better graphics because I only have an integrated graphics chip. And when I play games like Civilization, the fans are running on my laptop pretty much all the time. Uh, it's one of the few games I still play on a machine rather than, say, a, a console. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to a little better performance that way. But I will have to redo my setup. I'm like one of those guys you said, Alex, where I have the Bluetooth keyboard and, and trackpad and my laptop is sitting off to the side and it's closed. I'll have to change up that workflow a little bit. Yeah, I experimented moving stuff around today, put my laptop in front of the monitor and got a stand uh, to put underneath my monitor so it's up higher. I'm trying to get a feel for whether or not I like that setup. You know, the monitor is definitely higher than what I'm used to. Uh, and it's a little bit weird having to take the mouse down to the lower screen instead of to the left or right. And I normally have the dock on the bottom, so I've got to cross two screens to get to the dock if I want to access something that way. Of course, I use Spotlight most of the time to launch apps, so it's not yeah, I don't use my dock all that much. It's Alt Tab and or Command Tab and Spotlight or Alfred actually. Might try putting the dock off to the side instead of on the bottom. See if that's any better. Which side? The bottom side or the top side? Uh, the the right side. Like classic next step. That way it'll show up on what I should show up on whatever screen is active. Is that how it works? I didn't know it would switch back and forth between them. It does when they're side by side. I think it will uh, if the dock is on a side that doesn't scroll. That's not connected to another screen. Yeah, it, it definitely does that when there's two side by side. Yeah, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but, you know, it'd be nice to see a keyboard come out uh, that has the touch bar on it, a Bluetooth keyboard or a wired keyboard, but it would likely be an expensive keyboard if they're running. You know, if it, if it pushed the price up by about $300 or more, I don't think anybody's going to buy a $300. Well, the current wireless keyboard is not cheap either. Yeah, yeah. So add the price difference of putting the, the secure element, the arm chip, the touch bar, and the watch OS. You know, you're looking at maybe $300 price difference. So it's going to be right. close to $400 just for a keyboard. So probably not going to happen. No, I would go get something with the switches and all that noise making stuff before and spend $200 on that before I spent $300 for a keyboard with a touch bar. Yeah. Well, and I, th I think what that means too, though, is that either, you know, this is, this is so important that they're going to, uh, the way they described this is very important to how they want Mac OS to work in the future. So either they're just going to get rid of all the other things that aren't laptops and laptops are going to be the way you use Mac OS or there's something else that doesn't quite add up. That Yeah. And that might be why we haven't seen the iMac and the Mac Pro updated yet is, you know, they want to give the laptops a little bit of time with the touch bar before they introduce a peripheral that may be expensive, but is required for, for the desktop machines, or they're going to come up with something else. Hmm. So, you know, somebody suggested an iOS app for the touch bar, basically have the touch bar in your phone as a peripheral. <laughs> or on your iPad. Yeah. Yeah, we could see that. 
But yeah, I don't know, you know, if they are going to update their their desktop lineup, you know, then they do have to address the, the touch bar for those. So we might see a keyboard eventually, but it's probably going to be a while out. I don't think we'll see anything before June. My, that's my personal opinion. Right. Well, we have the spring event, but that's supposed to be limited to iPads. Maybe some minor revs on other hardware. We'll see. So seems to be about all the time we've got for tonight. You guys want to tell us where we can find you on the internet? You can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. I'm at Alex Argo. And I'm at Sam Quarter. The podcast is at Shared Inst. And you can join us in our Slack channel and commiserate about how many children you had to sell off to buy your new MacBook Pro. Or if you just want to tell us we're full of it, come on in, chat.sharedinstance.com for a free invite. Definitely free, not uh, as expensive as a MacBook. See you guys later. Later. Later.